Welcome to the Tech Talks podcast, helping you turn adversity into victory. Whether you're an entrepreneur, corporate professional, or stay-at-home parent, the Tech Talks podcast provides relevant advice and inspiration as you navigate your career, calling, and daily life. Let's get started with your host, Matt Tech. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this very special interview episode. Today, we sit down with my friend Steve Nelson. Steve and I have known each other for probably close to 12 years now. We both used to attend the same church. We kind of get into that at the beginning of the interview. I wanted to sit down with Steve today because he is an expert on helping people overcome the shame and addiction of pornography. Now, Some of you listening to this might think that pornography is just normal, it's part of your life, or if you're currently struggling with it, maybe you're even thinking, I cannot escape this. And most people, as you'll find out, won't actually share this problem because it's very, very private, it's sensitive, and it's internal. But hopefully, somebody listening to this finds peace that you can overcome this issue And right now, with all of us in lockdown and COVID-19, isolation is actually the doorway that opens us up to participate in these kind of lustful behaviors. So Steve shares everything from his own personal story. We talk about the spiritual side of this. We also talk about the biological aspects of what pornography does to the human body. What can we actually do to overcome this issue and start rebuilding relationships that may have been lost? This was so enlightening. I'm very excited to bring it to you guys. So without further ado, Steve Brennelson. What's up, Steve? How are you doing, buddy? Dude, good, man. Good to hear your voice, sir. You as well, my friend. So where are you at right now? So we are in uh, Chandler, Arizona, which is uh, just southwest of Phoenix. It's pretty much just the suburb of Phoenix. So um, yeah, we're here on, on a mission. Yeah, that's where we're at right now. That's awesome. So Steve, you and I have known each other for, ooh, since 2008 when I started going to church. So that's coming up on 12 years now that we've known each other. And for those of the folks who listened to a couple episodes ago when I talked about um, a book called Everybody Always by Bob Goff. I did like an audio book review of that. Steve is the person that recommended that book to me. We'll take you through Steve's journey here in a second, but Steve and I have just stayed in touch over the years. And Steve is a very wise, wise person. You know, he loves the Lord. He, he seeks him in everything that he does. And I trust Steve. You know, they say that you're supposed to surround yourself with wise counsel. And Steve is definitely on my quote board of directors as wise counsel because I I know that what Steve helps me understand is coming through the filter of scripture and his relationship with God. So Steve, welcome to the show. I appreciate you being on Tech Talks, my friend. Dude, what an honor it is to be here. And and thank you for all that, man. I, I feel like you're just you're being real generous about what you're saying about me. <laughs> That's all true. It's all true. So I know you, I've known you for a long time, Steve, but, but for those who don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I grew up in, in, uh, Southern Illinois and, uh, I've got, I've got four brothers. My, my parents are still married. And so five, five of us boys grew up, grew up in Southern Illinois, going to church, um, you know, reading the Bible, praying that type of thing. But it really was, uh, a religion for me more so than it was a relationship with God. But, uh, so kind of to unfold my story a little bit, because I think this is what we're going to be talking about today is, is around the age of 10 or 11, uh, stumbled into, stumbled into porn that became a very big part of my life and a struggle. Um, so here's this thing that I was, um, doing that I didn't, that I didn't, uh, want to be stuck in. And that became a very large part of my teen years. And, uh, growing up playing a lot of sports, um, that, that's a really huge part of my life. So sports, church, um, you know, trying to fit in all of that, you know, just like most other people, you know, in their teens, um, fast forward to my later teens, I really started to read the Bible and I really started to desire to know God and to, to read the word of God. And, uh, that's really whenever the, um, I guess the desire and the, I guess the need for God and the urgency to have a relationship with him started. So mm-hmm. my late teens, 
started to get to know God and started to um, follow him. And I really got plugged in at church, which is, you know, that's whenever you and I met, because we both started going to, um, to our old church at the same time. And so just getting plugged in there, started getting on staff and uh, was working there, volunteering, putting a lot of time in just like you, Matt. And um, so that's my, you know, late teens, early, early 20s. Mm-hmm. Still struggling with porn, still struggling with lust, and uh, wondering why, you know, man, how, why can't I beat this thing? Why can't I, you know, stop struggling and stop watching porn? Why can't I, you know? And so mm-hmm. I just fought with that, you know, that's a big part of my big part of my life, as it is for for a lot of people. And uh, so that's my early twenties, and the Lord would whisper into my life. He'd say, Stephen, I'm going to use I'm going to use this struggle that you have to help other men in your life. And he would just whisper that right in the midst of this struggle, mm. right in the midst of, you know, struggling with this and, uh, you know, crying out to the Lord for help. Like he would, he would whisper that. What that meant to me is that at some point I'm going to use, I'm going to use this as a, as a base of ministry, that it would be a place that I could minister to guys from. And uh, so over that next, you know, four or five years, the Lord just walked me through your process of, of healing and recovery and, and how do I win this battle? And just through the word of God, through the Holy Spirit speaking, uh, I learned that I could have a relationship with God, that I could hear him. That's a, yeah. that, that was new to me at that time. So that was cool. And uh, around 24, moved out to Colorado Springs, just felt like God was saying move. And I was like, where? <laughs> <laughs> where do I move to? You know, and uh, everything just pointed to Colorado Springs. And so um I set a date, moved out there in September, September 27, 2012. And uh, shortly after that, I, I met my wife and we got married a little bit after that. We started having kids. Now we have, we have two daughters. So we've been married for um, six years, a little over six years. And we have two daughters. One is five and one is two. So we just, we love our little family, which is, which is a lot of fun. So about four years ago to this point, so a little bit after we got married is whenever the Lord started saying, hey, I want you to, I want you to help men with this issue of porn, lust, and the overwhelming shame. Because um, it's something that I had, had at that point gotten victory over and uh, freedom from. And so I set out to, to do that and put together a whole, I wrote a book called Power Over Porn and created a whole online video course. That's 35 days long. Every day has a video and, and stuff to go along with it, which we can talk more later about. Later about. But um, so just started trying to help help men with this issue. It's a, it was such a it's such a huge issue in the church, and uh, just diving into that. So that's what I've been doing the last four years, and uh, even more recently than that, we um, we had the desire to to renovate a school bus and and basically have a tiny home on yeah. wheels. And be able to go where God sends us. And so that's why we're in Chandler right now in the Phoenix area is we are here to raise up leaders uh, in this area to take on this work and help the churches with a strategy here. So that kind of brings us up to present day. (laughs) (laughs) You work with men one-on-one, but you also disciple other men to help other men. Yeah. And that's, that's more of what uh, the Lord's been transitioning me into is to help uh, other guys who have the same calling to help other men yeah. is really train them up and raise them up. And I just have a heart for the church, man. Like there's like, uh, there's a statistic that's really scary. There's a few. And one is that there, there, there's about 70%, 67% is what one study says that uh, regular attending men in the church are struggling with this. Yeah. Another stat, you know, 47% of pastors are struggling. That's what another stat says. Um, and then an even more statistic, uh, crazy st- st- stat is that only 7% of churches have any kind of strategy to, to take a guy who's struggling mm. and go help him to find his freedom in Christ. And so that's what we're trying to do is get the, get the churches equipped and the pastors equipped and get a strategy going. So that's kind of the big, the big overall view of what we're up to now. Yeah. I'm glad you brought so. up those numbers because... Somebody, somebody probably clicked on this podcast based on its very, um, I'll be honest, the title that this is going to be called is going to be very clickbait, but the purpose is to get you to mm-hmm. click on it because this subject today is incredibly 
taboo to talk about, but at the same time, it's so incredibly prevalent in our culture. Now, you shared a couple of statistics, basically seven to 10, seven out of 10 Christian men struggle with this. Mm-hmm. Basically, half of pastors that are preaching to us struggle with this, mm-hmm. but only seven out of a hundred churches have some sort of program to help us through this. Why, why do you think there's such a discrepancy between the high number of folks that struggle and the low number of churches that are trying to assist with this? Yeah, it, that's a really good question. I, th- from what I can understand is it really starts with leadership, right? You talk a lot about this. We both learned a lot about this, that, uh, that leadership, um, we, so fish stinks from the head down, <laughs> right? Huh. Like things, um, rise and fall on, on the leader. So, uh, and I don't, I don't mean, I do, I love pastors. Some of my best friends are pastors, like, and amazing men of God. Some of my best friends are pastors. So I want to preface what I'm about to say with that, because, um, what I'm about to say may sound like I'm throwing pastors under the bus, but sure. pastors have a tough role. You know, pastors are leading a congregation of men and women and they, in a lot of ways, um, they're seen as they, they need to be perfect and have everything get, have everything together. Right. So kind of, to, again, to preface this, what I'm about to say, pastors have a tough job. They got a tough gig. And if half of the pastors are struggling with it in a scenario that if they were to tell anybody that they're struggling, they would, they may, there's like a lot of people have been um, forced out of their own church because mm. they came forward to friends, Christ followers, people who they thought they could trust and bring that would help bring healing and uh, restoration. They bring their issue of porn and lust to, to the people around them. And they say, that's terrible. Get out of here. Mm. Now that's happening. It happens a lot in denominations and um, non-denominational churches, a little different, but if pastors can't talk about it, they're not going to, um, they're not going to receive healing for themselves. And if they don't receive healing or, or find and discover that healing in Christ for themselves, they're not going to talk about it. And if they're not going to talk about it, the men in the congregation are not ever going to, you know, ever talk about it either. And so then we got this, it's just like this trickle down effect. So I think a big piece is that pastors being healthy people, not just in, not just with the issue of porn and lust, sexual immorality, all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but just as a whole, you know, pastors as a whole, um, being a, a healthy person, a healthy human being, uh, following Christ is, is huge because a, a healthy person will address, uh, issues that are, um, unhealthy. Right. Uh-huh. So, you know, I think that that number of 7% of churches have a, have a strategy is a byproduct of, of, uh, pastors not really wanting to deal with it. And you got to think too, like a guy coming up because most, most pastors are men, a man coming up in front of a church of men and women and talking about this issue uh, could very well drive people away. And Mm -hmm. not that we should try to just have massive churches. You know, like I used to think like, let's just build a massive church. Um, Let's build a strong church, you know? And, but a man, so, so a pastor brings us up in his church and now you have, the people he's pastoring, which is half women, um, are offended. They take it personally um, and say, I'm not going there anymore. This guy is a pervert, right? Mm. And so there, there's, it's a tough, being a pastor is a tough gig. I, I'll just say that. And it's, it's, a hard, it's a sensitive issue because so many men, so many women, so more women than men have been abused sexually. Yeah. Um, and so it's just a tough issue to talk about. So that's why the numbers are, I think, the way they are. I want to talk a little bit about the cultural prevalence of this because so I'll use me as an example so that, first of all, you were very transparent in the fact that you are is amazing because most people, just like you're saying, aren't transparent about the fact that, that this is an issue for them. So I'm going to use myself as well so that nobody listening can... Mm-hmm you know, can feel weird about anything. So I didn't come to know the Lord until I was 22 years old, pretty late in life. So I didn't grow up in a Christian household either, but growing up, you know, I was exposed to pornography in probably like late junior high, early high school at a friend's Mm -hmm. house. You know, it was just, it was just kind of a, a thing that happened. And then 
it wasn't really that accessible back when I was in high school. So it would be very rare. But then I got into like late high school, early college where the internet boomed and it became Mm -hmm. very accessible. Now, for someone like me, late teens, early 20s, I thought growing up that this was just a normal part of being a young boy and a young man that everybody does this. Everybody watches it. Everyone does this. Everyone wants to act out fantasies and all that type of stuff. But Steve, it wasn't until I got saved that it didn't immediately stop, but but I began to recognize this 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 feeling that I would have after after watching something. You know, so I would watch it and then immediately I would start to feel differently than I felt years prior where I thought it was normal. So I know the way that it makes me feel when I used to watch it, but why do you think most most men, most boys why do you think that we're in a culture that just treats it so normal right now? Yeah, man, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I think, I think it's been a, a fade into it. Nothing really happens overnight. Um, so you look back, like just look back over, over history and you see like our grandparents, right. Who are probably in, you know, in their eighties, nineties, like their generation was, they had, they had high morals, right. They had, mm-hmm. they had, like respect was a big deal. I mean, it was a real big deal and honoring our word was a big deal. All these types of things were, were a big deal and treating women with respect was a big deal. I mean, it was just the, the, the morals and the character of our grandparents' generation was, was pretty, was pretty high. You just didn't do certain things, right? Like it was like as a society, if, if you were divorced, it was like a, like a huge deal. You know what I mean? Like it was, a, it was like, you don't do that. You know, right. nowadays it's, it's, it's all over the place. So like 50%. Yeah. It's just <laughs> like, you know, so what happens is over time. So like, uh, there's a really, um, this, this, there's a series called the conquer series, um, which touches base on this and it breaks down the history of how this all started to happen. So like way back, I think this was in like, man, was it in the fifties or sixties? I don't, I don't know. Um, that's why I refer people to the Conquer series because they do a whole episode on this is that they would never show in any kind of movie or any kind of TV show, they would never show a man and a woman kissing or in bed or anything like that. So what happened is one, there was one show that started Hmm. doing that, but they, they started showing a man and a woman in, in uh, just in a bed like not again, no sexual behavior, but it, it just, so things started to progress from like that point and then it became you know like you like for a movie to be rated r now is um or for a movie to be rated pg or pg or pg-13 for instance like there's a lot of pg-13 movies that have porn in it right (laughs) it's like it's like normal and Mm -hmm. so we've just become desensitized we've become normalized to it um and you can kind of see it in every kind of uh outlet in the sense of education yeah you can see it uh, in our media system. You can even see it in the church. I mean, it is, uh, it's just kind of infiltrated. Um, we just become desensitized. Our morals are, are super low. We care more about ourselves than other people. I mean, dude, we could just go on and on. But that, it's just become, it's, it's been a, a, f- a slow fade, there, you know, into this cultural acceptance of, of raunchiness, of... <laughs> impurity, sexual immorality, like just do whatever you want, you know, right. Just have as much, uh, pleasure as you want, go get it, you know? And it's just promoted nowadays. Like it's not even, people don't even like question it or challenge it or even call it out. It's just like accepted. And if you don't sleep around, you're foolish, Right. right? Like if you don't, if you don't move in and this may offend a lot of people, if you don't move in, with your future spouse, how are you going to know that you're sexually compatible? <laughs> like yeah. that is a, that is like a, a, a thought process for a lot of people. And it's, you yeah. know, you know what I'm saying? Like that, that 20 years, 10, 15, 20 years ago, that wouldn't have been, that, that's like, no, that's, that's stupid. Now yeah. people are oh, doing yeah. it, you know? And you and I know that when you do do things in the right order, Dave Ramsey talks about this, that if you do things in the right, mm-hmm. in the correct order, 
you have a higher chance of success. And Mm -hmm. Craig and Amy Groeschel go into this in a book that my wife and I are reading right now called From This Day Forward, that if you want to do things the way that the world does it, then take your chances. The chances are 50-50 right now. But Mm -hmm. if you do things in a particular order, so Craig and Amy approach it from a biblical perspective. Dave Ramsey looks at it from a purely statistical perspective. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, get married, then have kids, right? So like do, (laughs) do, you know, get married, move in together, then have kids. Like if you do things in a certain order, you're, you're statistically, you are better positioned to have a successful relationship with your spouse and with your kids. But when you get them out of order, it totally turns it around. I'll have to find some of these statistics. Maybe I'll even, maybe I'll even find the show or the video that he talks about and mm-hmm. stick it in, stick it in the, um, the episode notes here. Cause I know that he's got a whole section where he runs down this stuff and that offends some people. But when yeah. you look at, the statistical data, which a lot of people want to see because people are, you know, the millennial generation is turning a blind eye to God right now. But if you look at, at the statistical data from Dave, it just so happens to line up with the biblical recommendation right. of the whole thing, right? So it's like the whole like sexual compatibility. If you follow the particular order, God will make you, God already has the person picked out for you that you're going to be sexually compatible with. And it's going to be... Yeah your wife, whoever he gives you as a wife or a husband. So trying yeah. it out ahead of time and basing your entire lifelong lifelong relationship on how good or bad sex is the first time you have it, it's probably not a good no. it's probably not a good benchmark <laughs> for your relationship, you know? Now, yeah. Yeah. Now you said that that you know, we can't really trust how TV shows and movies are rated. I myself also with two young children can't really trust PG, PG 13 anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like we have to, we go on IMDB, we go on the, the parental guide to see what we would watch with our kids and what we, we wouldn't. That's just a daily practice for us because we can't trust. And you said that there's porn in, in like all these movies, even PG 13. And I think that Somebody might have even said, no, they can't do that. But porn is not just sexual penetration on camera. Porn is nudity. Porn is even even in the way people talk about certain acts. Like mm-hmm. all that is considered pornography. It's It's sexually explicit material because what it does is it automatically triggers lustful thoughts and lustful like, like lustful activities, you know, like I want to go do those things that they're talking about. I want to fast forward a little bit because right now we're all in this pandemic. We're all locked down. We're all in quarantine, which means that we are at home for single people. They're by themselves for single men. Mm -hmm. They're by themselves for husbands and wives. They're by themselves. And maybe, you know, maybe that causes some friction. So no matter what state you find yourself in, whether you're home with your spouse or whether you're home by yourself, man or woman, do you think that people right now during a lockdown are more exposed because they're forced into basically solitary confinement in their home? Do you think that they're more at risk right now? Totally, totally. Um, I think, so isolation is one of the biggest um, issues that the guys I work with, isolation is, is a killer. I mean, it, it, and the, the scripture talks about that. I think it's uh, Proverbs 18 talks about isolation. When a man isolates himself, he breaks out against all sound judgment. Mm. Right. And it's, it, it's, it's, it can be a killer for a lot of people. Um, community is huge. People mm-hmm. around us is huge, but I, I, I would go even further to say we're kind of left with our own thoughts and a lot of people aren't comfortable with that. Right. So, yeah. um, I think, I think isolation can be super hard. It was, it was hard for me. I, I'll say that like before I was married, there would just be so many times I'm like lonely, you know, uh-huh. and just like, this is boring, you know? <laughs> and so there was like, let me, just, let me go hang out with friends, you know, which is a good thing. Like that's healthy. Um, but we also need to learn how to be by ourselves and okay with that. Yeah. And I think just the, the, the health of our country, the health of the church, um, we have not become okay with who we are. Um, mm. we don't know who we are in Christ. We don't take our cues from God and what he says about us. Um, we just 
honestly, I think we put, we don't put in enough time just hearing what God has to say about us as individuals. Yeah. And so this may see like this can be, so you can look at it two different ways. Like one is that this is a dangerous time for people. You know, this is a, uh, isolation is a, is, is, is a tough time. Well, if you flip that, flip the script, it's an opportunity and it's an opportunity for someone to get closer to God. Again, if that's what if that, if that's who they're seeking, um, closer to God, read the word of God more. I mean, man, how many books now have you read because you've had more time? I'm sure you've read a lot yeah. more because you're wow. a reader, man. And, uh, so you're, you're here, you're growing. You're not like, you're not in decay. Like there's a old thing, like you're either growing or you're decaying. And you and I like, we're like, Hey, this is opportunity for growth. Right. And, uh, it's just a matter of seeing it that way. And so, uh, you know, but it is, I, I know it's a long answer for what you're, what you asked, <laughs> but yes, it, it, it is, a, it is a tough thing for people who are single, tough thing for people who are struggling with this issue. It magnifies it for sure. Yeah. Well, maybe there's some folks listening that might not be able to connect to the spiritual aspect of this. So can you talk to us a little bit about, about the biology of what this does, whether is either single or dating someone that's wanting to get married eventually, and maybe even the biology with a married man. Like, what does it do to our brains? What does it do yeah. to the potential of our relationships? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, if you look at the brain scans, um, this is a very interesting thing. You can find this online for anybody listening. If you look at the brain scan from a man who's addicted to porn, it's the same. It, it looks so identical to the brain scan of someone who's addicted to heroin. Wow. It's, it's a real fascinating thing. So it's like become in, even in the science world, they've, they've really started labeling this thing as a major, like a major uh, addiction. And like, so there's even, there's even like, again, this is the world saying this, the world would even say now that erectile dysfunction is a byproduct of masturbation and porn. Hmm. Um, those two usually go hand in hand. It's, I don't know anybody who hasn't done both those together. It's not usually the case. So, uh, like even the world is pointing to that and finding and looking at this just from the perspective of what does this action do to this body and this person? So it literally shapes new neurological pathways and, you know, our neurons travel in those pathways and we just become, it just becomes a habit and a, a thing that we just keep doing. Yeah. Um, and so whenever we, uh, it, so it, for instance, of masturbation or, um, or just the act of sex, um, when a man or a woman has an orgasm, there are, there are chemicals released in their brain that create like, um, it's, it's, a, it can be addictive and in a, in a negative way, that addiction causes us to be, um, addicted to that feeling, or maybe it's the, again, porn or lust, you know, inside of a marriage. And this kind of goes back to the order of things, which I thought was so good that you brought that up because God designed our body. He like, so let's just call it like it is. God created sex Mm -hmm. and sex inside of a marriage gets us to be one and unified with our wife or with Mm -hmm. our, with our husband, if you're a woman. And so it's, it sex inside of a, a marriage is a powerful thing inside of the again inside the context of marriage where two people are committed to each other outside of that um it gets a it gets a person hooked to um to all kinds of other there's a there's a really good book i haven't read it in a long time it's called hooked and it's the science of the the effect of sex on the body and it's a fascinating book you can you can hook it up in the show notes but um again this is studies done by the world this is not even studies done by christ followers so there's not like a you know let me prove the Bible right. It's like, mm-hmm. they're just looking at it, you know? Um, so it's, it's not even, you know, if you look at it kind of like what you're saying, like to somebody who's not even going at this spiritually, um, you can make a super strong case for this, you know, porn, lust, masturbation, sex outside of marriage is extremely unhealthy and costly to not only the person doing that, but also the person um, that are a product of the, the porn industry, which we, you know, that's a whole other topic, but 
um, it's destructive. You know, I would say to somebody who, you know, doesn't believe in God, but they are asking the question, like, is this okay or not? I would just say, um, you know, it's destructive to you as a person. And, uh, and, and we, we help, I help guys all the time break free from this. So it, it really takes somebody to say, you know, there's a, there needs to be a bigger reason. So most people won't, <laughs> won't stop it unless there's a really big reason in it for them. You know, it's tough. Wow. It's a hard thing to break. Yeah. So. so when you're working with men, do you find that when they overcome this, that the relationship with their spouses are, are better? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it, it's, so what happens in a lot of cases is, is guys come to me because there's a crisis. Like mm-hmm. their wife founds out, finds out that they're struggling with this. And it's like, you better take care of this dude. Or like, we're going to have serious, serious issues. Or <laughs> in the case, the case of a lot of th- times, I, I'm, I'm not going to remain married to you if you don't, if you don't do something about this. Mm-hmm. And so at first, now that again, I, most guys come to me in that case, if they're married, they, they come as a byproduct of their wife found out. And then it's like, they have a lot of, you know, fight in the game when, when they start addressing it and they build, they rebuild trust with their spouse, their marriages. This is amazing. Get this. This is hope for somebody's listening right now who, who just got found out. And I want to tell you that your marriage is going to be better than it was before your wife or your husband found out. Awesome. That is amazing. I've seen it over and over and over. And I, you know, there's a guy I've been working with. He says that, dude, my wife is addressing things within her own life because mm-hmm. I'm addressing this thing in my life. And it's causing her to, to dig down and find the, and bring, get healing in the wounds that she has in her past. And that's, so not even the issue of, of porn, less sexuality. It's just like when a man actually digs into this area of his life and says, I'm going to, I want healing. I want restoration. Um, it, it, it has effect on more than just him. The, the person changes the guy, the man changes and the people around him see it and they in turn change as well. So it's powerful thing for a marriage when a man or a woman gets healing in the area of sexual brokenness. It's just, it's a powerful thing. If both parties are willing to stick it out and, and, and stick and stick with it, you know, that's awesome. So within the context of marriage, cause that's where the next question comes in. Cause we're going to talk about sex for a second. Like I said, the title of this pot of this podcast is going to be very, very appealing to click on. And that's for a reason. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. We need it, man. We need to talk about it. So you said earlier that God created (laughs) sex. Now, a lot of folks are like, hey, my career, I'll let God in on that, right? Even my finances, I'll let God in on that sometimes. My relationship, I'll let him in, but I don't really need God past the bedroom door. I think that's a a big thought because people equate uh, sex as kind of like a, it's kind of like an icky thing sometimes, I guess. That's not, Mm -hmm. that kind of goes against this, you know, this, this holy, righteous, amazing God, you know, how could, you know, somebody that created the sky that I'm staring at right now have created something as intimate and personal and kind of, for lack of a better word, messy, like sex, you know? Mm -hmm. And Steve, do you think that it's because the way that the culture has kind of bastardized sex, that that's the reason most people feel that way? Yeah, man. I mean, the majority of people I ask and I say, did, did your parents talk to you about sex? Like, what was that like? And the majority that I hear back from is like, no, we never talked about it. And it makes you wonder, like, if we didn't talk about it and it, it like for, for a lot of people, it's like, sex is like a bad word was mm-hmm. like a bad, we just didn't, you didn't say the word sex, you know, right. growing up. And so if we never talk about it, then it becomes this thing. And again, this is all like underlying, right? So like, if we don't talk about it, then it, it's not like it becomes less important because every human being has sexual parts, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like something that we know we have and we start to learn about that when we hit puberty and stuff like that. But it's like, wait a second, how come I've never been told about this? There's inherently, if we don't talk about it, there's like a shame attached to it. Yeah, And it's like, well, this is bad. Like I shouldn't be feeling this or I shouldn't be going through this. And then, and then what happens is 
again, there's an enemy of our souls. We'll take advantage as much as he can to put in place things in our paths that leads us down a, a, a path of learning about sex in a way that got, that was never designed for us. Mm-hmm. And so it think it starts in the home. Like most parents don't talk healthy, uh, healthily about it. Yeah. And then it becomes this secret thing. And then it becomes this hidden thing. And it, a lot of times it turns into a hidden sin, which then we really don't want to talk about it. And so it becomes this thing that we just don't talk about it. And we kind of close the door to talking about it with other people and not talking about it with God for those who are in a relationship with him. So yeah, man, it's, it's pretty wild. The uh, effects like you, you, you see a generate, you see effects in the next generation, right? Yeah. So yeah. like what happens in what you and I, the, the culture of parenting that we are in, we're going to see the effect of that in 20 years, hmm. maybe even less, you know what I'm saying? Like, like the mm-hmm. seeds are sown and we're going to see the fruit of what we do. And that's hard because, you know, in the moment, like, oh, that's awkward. Let's not talk about it. Well, <laughs> you don't talk about it. Like it's going to become a giant, like a really big thing, you know? Yeah. Well, speaking of the next generation, Steve, you know, you and I both have young children. You and I both homeschool our children. And an issue like this was a, one of the big factors in why at least my wife and I decided to homeschool our kids because the statistics show that the next generation, right, our children are being exposed to this earlier and earlier and earlier in life, as young as like six and seven years old. Now, my daughter is eight, mm-hmm. right? And I can't, and they're exposed to it at school from other students. Mm-hmm. Now, a big reason that my wife and I wanted to homeschool is because one, I went to school for education, I went to school to be a teacher, and <laughs> the education system today versus when I was studying it to actually be involved in it is vastly different. And I don't, I don't, I don't want to be that guy, but I really don't trust the government to mold the minds of my children. I, (laughs) as a parent, that's my job. Right. So we have chosen a specific curriculum that gives them everything that they need. Plus it institutes Christian values and reading the Bible into it. But also we want our kids to be you know, freely creative. My daughter will sometimes wear her Captain Marvel outfit to school and that's awesome. I think it's fabulous. So we don't want to stifle any creativity, but also at the same time, we we as parents have no control over the environment at a public school. We do have control of the environment at a home school. And this is something that we will never let infiltrate that environment. And so this was a big deciding factor Mm-hmm. for us. And I assume that it was for you as well. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's a good saying for this and it's, uh, don't send your kids to Caesar and be surprised that they end up a Roman. Uh-huh. You know, they're this system, the education system, like we, we like to think of it's, I think people have this like view of our education. They're just teaching them things like there's morals. There mm-hmm. is things that are taught to your kids and our kids. Again, yeah. there's no judge. I'm not judging anybody who sends their kids to public school, but you, you know, this is just for us. Sure. Like I don't, I don't trust the system to do my job. And whenever there's um, legislation passed in our country that says that a public school or even, even charter schools have to teach a curriculum that states you can pick your gender, kids. You can, you can pick what you are, and they teach that. When that type of thing happens, like, are we surprised that, that they have identity issues when they're 13 and 14? Whenever you put that seed of, of like, hey, just pick your gender, kid. Right. What do you feel like today? Mm-hmm. As a six-year-old, a seven-year-old, an eight-year-old, and, I, and that stuff's getting pounded in, man. Like, um, it's, yeah, I'm not going to trust I'm not going to trust the system to do that. <laughs> yeah. It's just crazy. This is not you and I beating up on public school or private no, school. No. Obviously, each person has to put their children into a place that they think is best. If both parents are working, we understand homeschool 
might not be an option for you. But I think right now during the pandemic, during this pandemic where everyone's homeschooled, I think it's giving a lot of parents pause into Mm -hmm. seeing what are we doing every day? Because now I think that they're finding, Steve, that that much like homeschool, homeschool takes a relatively shorter amount of time, you know, so Mm -hmm. normal Mm -hmm. school, they go to school at, you know, seven thirty, eight o'clock and they're home at three or four o'clock. Well, that's, you know, that's seven, eight hours of school. But for my daughter, who's in, who's in a first grade right now, we can get her entire day done in about three hours. So what exactly yeah. is happening the remaining five hours that my kid is gone? And we know there's a lunch hour. We know that most of the, most of it is just corralling them from one class to the other. But what are the conversations happening with the students between the time? You know, mm-hmm. and like I said, those those are the uncontrollable things. Now, I grew up in public school. Mm-hmm. I wasn't exposed to much of that. I had a great public education. My wife was homeschooled. Her and I just decided that based on where we're at, we feel like homeschool is is best, again, for that controlled environment. We're not here to beat up on parents who put their kids yeah. in a public school or private school. But I yeah. think that when deciding on a school, the environment should be considered either way. Now, going past the school thing, for the sake of time, uh, Steve, <laughs> I only have a couple questions for you, but with this issue being so private, so so intimate, you, know, you said most people, you said half a pastor struggle with it. Well, that's just the pastors that even admitted to it. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think you and I could probably bet that the number is higher, especially if it's seventy percent of Christian men. Well, pastors are involved in that Christian men uh, yeah. title there. <laughs> but yeah. with this issue being so so private, so taboo, how do you find the men that you need to help? Yeah, they usually. It's it's interesting because it, like if I speak somewhere or I do a I do a breakout session or whatever, um, for a guy to raise his hand to go or you know like in other words walk into the breakout room that I'm facilitating, there's there's a lot of things going on in his mind before he decides to do that. Mm-hmm. Like like this like okay if I go to his thing then that would mean that I'm struggling and if I don't want all my good high morally standing Christian friends over here to know that I'm struggling, I probably shouldn't go to this breakout. So it's hard for a guy to admit that he's struggling. So like, just, you know, kind of say that it's, it's hard. And so for someone to be open to receiving healing is a rare thing in this area, because again, if it's not brought up in a, in a easy way, Basically, to bring it up in such a way that doesn't induce shame. If it's not brought up in that way, it's really hard for a guy to, to ask for help. Sure. But if I come out, and this is I've done this enough times where if I'm if I speak for three minutes or thirty or doesn't matter, if I tell my story openly and I tell my story of God's love for me inside of all that, he, he's just given me a way to speak about this that creates a space for guys to step into without sh- being ashamed of it. Yeah. So it, it happens like that. So if I can share my testimony at churches and stuff like that, um, the way I share it, it kind of creates this space for guys to come up and, and talk about it without everybody in the church thinking that they are struggling with it. You know, what right. I mean? that's again, that's the fear and that's the, the lie um, that that keeps a man captive. So so it happens in a, in a bunch of ways. Like I, I let pastors know this is what I do. And if a guy comes to them, sometimes they get sent to me. Um, sometimes guys will, will email our church and they'll say, I'm, I need a group for this. Um, do you have any kind of group for sexual purity? Mm-hmm. Um, and they get passed to me that way. Um, but I think a lot of it is just by conversation and by me sharing my story. And then other people know that oh, this is a guy that I can go to if I have this struggle, but it, it really takes a lot for a guy to reach out. Sure. Um, and, and be bold enough to say, I need help and I'm not perfect. And I'm not perfect. I'm, yeah. I'm the first one to say I'm not perfect, <laughs> you know? So like, um, man, humility is, is, is a massive, massive, um, piece and part of the, the, the life of a Christ follower. And so it is to say like, you know what? I don't have it all together. Um, but Christ in me, he does like, mm-hmm. he's got this. I, I don't need to ha- I don't need to carry the burden of being perfect. He did. Right. And so when guys really get that, it changes the game. So, Friends, if you're listening and that's a decision that you want to make, you can make that today in the privacy of your own home. So if you need like a little template, 
go back to the episode called My Testimony. And about the last two minutes of that, I guide you through a simple prayer, how you can make that decision today to make God the center of your life instead of the world the center of your life. So go back, listen to that episode. If you want to listen to all of it, cool. But if you just want to get to the end, so you have a kind of a template of of like what to pray, how do I do this? Go and fast forward to the last two minutes of that thing. That'll guide you through. So Steve, it sounds like you're the main guy at your church, but you're in a different state other than where you live right now. So when you're calling other folks to tell them about about your ministry, what are you hearing from some of these churches? Yeah, I think <laughs> it's kind of funny because, again, with the issue of a lot of pastors struggling with it, like I don't, I don't just go and confront the pastor. Like that's that's one way to do it. <laughs> like I could ask, hey, are you struggling? Like, but I don't do that. You know, I don't. Uh, so what I do is I just share what I do, and mm-hmm. if 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 people ask more questions and want to dig more it's a clear sign that they they want to help men but there's usually a very uh, high people are highly receptive to what i'm doing because they just know like they know that this is a major issue and everybody says thanks for doing this work uh, but it usually takes uh, me pushing through um pushing through kind of the subconscious boundaries of uh that that pastors and leaders have I, it, it's it uh, it just it takes time, it takes humility on my part. Like I'm not there to fix their church, you know. Like, mm-hmm. um, and it's hard, you know. Like pastors are are to be, you know, guarding their flock from people who are going to come in and devour. So we've made the decision to not sell anything. Mm-hmm. We don't solicit stuff from churches. Like we're not going in there. Hey, uh, I'll do this work if you uh, donate to our program. Like, you know, I don't. So I don't, we just have taken that off the table. We have people who support us every month who say, we want you to be doing this work and we are going to back you financially. And so we have a whole support team that does that. So we've taken out, like, try to take out every uh, barrier to going forward. You know what I mean? So like, it doesn't cost anything. Um, And, you know, so I'm not asking the pastor to stand up and, you know, uh, do anything, you know what I mean? Like, so mm-hmm. I try to make it super easy. I'm learning. So like, we're fresh at the idea of working with other churches and developing teams. So we're, I'm just learning a lot right now. So for those who are listening that you mentioned earlier, that five part series can, with the few minutes that we have left, can you, can you briefly take us through the program that you've built? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the uh, all the things that the Lord showed me, I started putting it into, into a framework and into like something that could be um, digested. And so what we ended up, what I ended up with is this framework called power and power is an acronym. So P stands for position. Position is who we are in Christ. And again, I'm working with Christ followers. The same can be applied to somebody who's not necessarily, uh, it's going to be a little bit different, but, um, P stands for position. That's who we are in Christ. And everything flows from that. Our identity, it, it makes or breaks us. So if I see myself as a loser, I'm probably going to show up as a loser. Mm. So it's a big deal that, that a man sees himself the way God has called us to see ourselves. And it also goes further to say we need to see God for who he is. And so P is for position and perspective. So we, two words for each. Um, O is for offense. Like we're going to take the offensive, the, uh, the, uh, the attack approach. We're not going to, uh, there's a phrase I use and it's, you will, you will either actively create or you will passively allow in your life. And that can be applied to several areas. You will either actively create or you will passively allow. So are we going to address this thing? Like, so basically like Whenever I'm tempted with porn, that's when I address it. No, we're going to address it head on. We're going we're gonna to focus in on who you are in Christ. We're going to focus on the word. We're going to focus on, um, we're, in other words, we're going to attack. We're going to go on the offense, just like mm-hmm. David did with Goliath. Um, so that's a powerful lesson. And it's, I mean, that is, that is powerful when guys actually start to, to see themselves as powerful and winners and conquerors things change really quickly from there. They have a whole new set of beliefs. Mm. So um, yeah, offense and order is the O. W stands for wisdom and winning. So we talk more about strategy. We talk more about how do you get wisdom whenever things just don't, aren't working for you. Like God promises wisdom in his scripture. So we talk about that. 
E is for experience and expectation. So if we're not walking with the Lord, not listening to his voice, we're not going to experience that growth. But if we have a relationship with God, he's going to lead us and direct us and he'll speak to us in such a way that you start having these experiences that will, um, how do I say it? Drive the narrative, I guess, of your story, what you tell yourself, and we'll, we'll start seeing results, which is the R. So R is stands for results. And so we talk about how our commitments directly line up with our results. Um, and if, if we are still seeing results that we're stuck in porn, then we need to keep addressing the, what are we committed to? Are we committed to looking like we're working on this area of our life? Or are we committed to having freedom? Yeah. Are we commit? You know what I mean? So that's the kind of the framework we use, but it gets, I mean, there's 35 lessons inside of that. And I'm doing a, I'm doing a group right now. It's a private group um, that anybody can join, but it's private so that there's confidentiality. You know, people can feel safe inside of it. And that's going on right now. I don't know when this episode airs, but um, you know, I'm doing that, doing the five part framework inside of a private group. And it's been really, really cool. I've made it very convenient for folks who either want to participate in downloading your, your series, which is free. I hear mm-hmm. the series yeah, is free on Steve's yeah. website. And if you go to uh, techtalkspodcast.com, always in the show notes, click on partners, you'll see Steve's ministry, Game Changer Ministries right there. Click on that link. That takes you straight to Steve's page. You can give to support him. I'm sure that his family would appreciate that. And you can also download the series right there on the website so you can begin taking part in overcoming this, this obstacle that most people listening are facing right now. Steve? It's been a pleasure, my friend, having you on here. You being as transparent as you are, I'm glad that you know I get to spend so much time with you. I always look forward when you come into town, getting together over at Germania upstairs, mm-hmm. having some coffee, sitting down, catching up for a couple hours, book recommendations from you, oh, man. and just, just like soaking in the wisdom from your life. Man, you're one of my best friends, and I'm honored to get to share you with the rest of the world through this podcast. Well, dude, that goes both ways, man. Super honored to be your friend and, and uh, just, man, I see so many awesome things in you. It inspires me to grow and become a better man, a better leader, better Christ follower. So man, thank you for doing this podcast and uh, being a leader, being bold and uh, bold enough to have a guy on who talks about a very sensitive issue, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So thanks for living your life well, man. I, I really appreciate seeing you live your life. It's, it's powerful, bro. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. All right, Steve. All right, brother man. You take care of yourself, my friend. Be safe. All right. You too. Thank you. All right, buddy. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. This episode of Tech Talks has ended, but be sure to subscribe for upcoming inspiration. Don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you transformative content. See you next time.